Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another midweek pod. Us just working overtime this week, but when you have Arsenal midweek, Dan, it's not really something that we can pass up. Well, if you missed it for this time, Nick, you'll have multiple opportunities over the next few weeks to take in midweek Arsenal. Yeah, I can't wait for the, the Carabao Cup and uh, all the splendor that will happen. The, uh, the real question is, is can you get a doctor's note for you know, an additional two Wednesdays this month. <laughs> so, actually, that was on cue. Uh, I actually am sick as hell, so I, I I hope I don't stay this way and need one. But yeah, I think I think it's plausible, guys. Uh, midweek matches are all about planning. We know this. We've been your advocate for years. Get your plan set. Block those calendars like a pro, and you'll be all right. I mean, I'm personally not looking forward to it at all. Like, these two legs against Arsenal coming after this, um, it's a little foreshadowing because I, you know, I, I put it in the script a little bit later, but genuinely, I have 
no excitement at all for those matches. So I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. But uh, real quick, obviously, shout outs, Dan, iTunes reviewers, uh, just a couple more all stars that we've got hanging out with us, helping us out. Yeah, last one from 2017, which we haven't had a chance to address yet for the craziest Joe. And then the first for 2018 from uh, Jay Vossler 3, both with some five-star love on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. So if you want to get a little shout-out, start the show, start your new year right, uh, drop that five-star, potentially after you heard that wonderful Lee Parker interview special that we uh, Mm. dropped just recently. Yeah, that's a good one. You guys should definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. It can be listened to at any time. It's an evergreen podcast where Lee Parker just dishes a whole bunch of awesome information, and he's great. Fantastic guy. So much fun talking about the uh, transfer windows, the deadline day stories that he has. I mean, you know, he's on the front lines. He literally lives it and experiences it. So uh, I'm really glad that, you know, we kind of did it not knowing what to expect out of it. But I thought, you know, well... I was glad to hear so many people really like that conversation. So again, I put it out there. If anyone else at the club or affiliated the club you would love to hear from, let us know and we will take that to them and say, hey, the people demand it. Um, But before we get into the episode, I just wanna point this out. So this is the wins table of the Premier League this season and Manchester City are on top with 20. Uh, and then Chelsea and United are tied at 14, Liverpool, Tottenham on 12, and Arsenal at 11th, 11 wins a season. And, and I just kind of put this out there and kind of get what you guys think about this. But, I mean, the way it looks is like Chelsea, uh, again, uh, compared to other teams, having quite a good season. Obviously, Man City just blowing everyone out of the water. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, Nick, when you see that Chelsea have the second most wins in the table, it, it, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that. Do you think that Chelsea, you know, are, are proving that they're a you know fourteen win team so far this season? I think it is pretty clear at this point, even though the standings don't say this, that Chelsea is the second best team in the Premier League. Um, you know, and in another year without an incredible Manchester City team could legitimately be fighting for the title. Um, but when Manchester City has six more wins, uh, equivalent of 18 points, Dan, uh, than Chelsea do in this in this mini table of wins, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard, even though Chelsea's 14 wins are respectable. This also would be the exact same setting that the table is currently, uh, one through eight. So... Uh, makes no, all sense. You you win a lot. United United is ahead of us now. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, it's, it's the same. You know, set eight teams though. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if you win a lot, you uh, you end up not having to be in a relegation battle. So uh, remember, 2015-16, uh, not that far removed, lest we forget. We, we would have not been on this table at all in 2015-16. So. One also just shows how competitive second through sixth is going to be. We thought for a while maybe Liverpool, um, even Spurs, Arsenal are a little little bit struggling, but not anymore. People are uh, finding ways to win, even though they're offsides um, Spurs. Anyways, uh, real quick again, uh, just want to say a quick shout out to World Soccer Shop, Nick. Um, again, I you know I know the holidays over, people got some closer Christmas, but as we look ahead to warmer times, um, a lot of fun street gear and just kind of like casual clothes and styles. Yeah, so they have this uh, on their homepage. They have this street gear um, kind of uh, scroller, and so what's really cool about the street gear is it's by 
Adidas Tango and Nike FC. So kind of like the the higher end um, lifestyle stuff, Dan. This is uh, pretty awesome stuff. They even have some ladies stuff if you're uh, if you're interested in kitting out your lady with uh, with some nice merch. Or if you're just happening one of our female listeners. So uh, World Soccer Shop, inclusive of all great styles, great gear available today. WorldSoccerShop.com. All right. Well, here we go. Match review time. It was Arsenal in the Premier League traveling a short distance to the Emirates. It was this past Wednesday on January 3rd, in case you're listening in the future. Scoreline Blues 2, Gooners 2 as well. Uh, Correct score predictions. We really didn't have any, but Jay and Chris both predicted 1-1 draws, which is pretty close, so we'll round up in this case. Uh, But Dan, lineups this time. Chelsea back to the 3-5-1-1. And comparing our lineup to Arsenal's, I thought it was pretty much, for the most part, the best possible lineups from both teams. Yeah, I, I think as you see, Thibaut Courtois, no surprise between the sticks. Asbulqueta, Christensen back from illness, sickness, whatever it might have been. Gary Cahill takes the armband back and slots into the left center back position, putting Rudiger back on the bench. Moses, Bakayoko, Conte, Fabregas, and Alonso make up that midfield five with Eden Hazard and Morata up top. We'll see Rudiger, Zappacosta, or Crosta, Daniel Drinkwater, the legend, William, Mishi, and Pedro round out the bench. And uh, Nick, I, I don't know about you, I think the only surprise I thought in the lineup was that uh, Lord and Savior Daniel Drinkwater, hmm, uh, yes. goal scorer from outside the box, did not start ahead of Bakayoko. I think that was the one thing that surprised me the most. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that um, especially after his performance against Stoke, now again, you know, it, it's Stoke, so take that for what it's worth, uh, that uh, Drinkwater probably deserved to start. Uh, and uh, seeing as how Bakayoko was a, a passenger along this journey today, that would have uh, maybe been the right call. Well, we obviously had some questions across all of our social media, specifically about the lineup. Jay Heal saying, um, or asking if we thought maybe having William on from the start instead of Bakayoko would have caused more damage, putting pressure on an inexperienced back three, or would it have just caused more issues in midfield? And Chelsea Ariel on Instagram saying, it's the same team as against Liverpool. This was a coach's defeat. And then Jan makes music on Instagram also saying, uh, after his goal, should we have started drinks as he could potentially make more of the forward runs that Bakayoko has been instructed to do? P.S. Love the pod. Well, uh, you know, I guess teeing this up, because obviously the lineup is is always hindsight. You know, it's 2020. It's much more obvious after the fact. But I, I'm kind of interested because a lot of the feedback was drink water over Bakayoko. And um, obviously Bakayoko found himself in some really good positions again today. Just didn't quite get the ball out from under his feet at times, I think, Dan. And, and that's just something we've come to, I guess, expect from him still in his first season in the Premier League. There, there's an adaptation period, and I think based upon what we saw from Drinkwater's last performance, again, you know, we're looking at a, a Stoke side which basically was waving a white flag with its lineup. It took the piece of paper and just drew eleven names on it and threw it up in the air and waved it directly at Antonio Conte, so you knew what you were getting into. I, I just don't know what else you potentially do or what he has to do to, to deserve the start there, Nick. But 
ultimately, I don't think Bakayoko was the only one who was suspect in the midfield today. I think we could talk about Cesc Fabregas and you know what he was or wasn't contributing. And it's tough. It's tough because this was a game that started off as an even match that went to a loss that was restored to a draw that became a win that went back to a draw. And there were too many roller coaster emotions, I think, to just uh, get nestled into one ball. Yeah, I mean, I I think to sum this game up, it was a a manic game of football. I mean, this was maybe as exciting as Chelsea Arsenal's been in a long time. I mean, typically, because it's a big London derby, um, it's it's a little bit cagier. you know, there have been times where Arsenal have got out to the lead and cruise. There have been times that Chelsea have got out to the lead and cruise. This had everything in it. Um, and it was it was a tremendous game of football for the neutral. I think that Chelsea's whole strategy today was to overwhelm the midfield and make um, Lacazette and Sanchez isolated up top um, so that Christensen and Espilicueta and KO could deal with them collectively. Uh, and I think for the most part, that strategy kind of worked uh you know we had a lot of turnover in midfield we had a lot of uh, counterattacks but it just wasn't clinical enough again and you know it's it's one thing to score five against stoke um who are who are just abject you know it's a whole other thing to be ultra competitive against an arsenal team that's fighting for their top six life well i you know talking about fabrias real quick and then i kind of want to move on i thought that his yellow card early on hindered him anyways and it was a terrible call because he won the ball cleanly on his tackle on Wilshire. but the problem is Anthony Taylor cautioned Wilshire for an actual yellow card offense shortly before that and so he thinks I have to level up the you know make it even and we saw a lot of that I just really really poor from him in that standpoint and I think that um that Sesk is always going to struggle in kind of the situation. This just made it worse for him. And I think that that sucked because um, our midfield wasn't maybe as balanced. But at the same time, I remember Bakayoko literally shielding the ball as the Arsenal player jumped, you know, on his back, kind of pushing him. And he just shrugged him off, turned, split two defenders on the dribble, and ran. So I'm still just torn on him because the final product isn't there, but he still has so many things. Like, there's no way Drinkwater gets out of that. Um, the way Bakioko did. So, I, like I said, I'm just torn on that. I, I still think there were some balance issues, but overall, um, you know, we did a pretty good job. I mean, they had five in the midfield and we had our three, and um, they, they harassed well, I thought, for the most part. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about goals, obviously. So, 63rd minute, Jack, the wheelchair Wilshire, with a sliding strike <laughs> to the top corner near post, couldn't believe it when I saw it originally because, well, I mean, he just lashed at it, Dan. Yeah, I think our, our friend uh, Rainier Blues Mike pointed out that it was eerily similar to the Kalaroff goal that was scored uh, against Chelsea uh, playing playing Roma. And it was just some defensive laps. And you, know, you see you know, Conte was you know, running back for dear life to try to you know, shut it down and put it away. And for all the wonderful stops Courtois was able to manage throughout the match, this just was one that was beyond his his capacity to do so. And you know, and Nick kind of you know, you'd <coughs> hope that that goal would not happen. Uh, I think you know, Bakayoko was kind of nearby; he might have been able to to offer in a little support. And 
it just and Morata was right near it as well too, and it just did it didn't it 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 wasn't a good looking goal to give away when there were enough blue shirts around to say someone should have stopped him. It was a friendly deflection to him as well, though. I mean, it it literally yeah. fell to him in stride. I mean, if you're looking at this goal and saying, yeah, it's kind of a crap goal to give away. Fine. Yeah. I, you know, I think it is kind of a crap goal. I don't think he meant to hit it upper 90. Um, you know, if, if that's what we're talking about, but at the end of the day, this, you know, was after a, a first half where both teams could have had two or three goals apiece, And this game needed a goal to really get kicked off. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that Arsenal got it, but I mean, Chelsea's, Chelsea's final thirds at both ends today were a little dodgy. Um, you know, not not because it was, you know, terrible that we made a, a lot of mistakes. Just a lot of, like, the little things, I think, made a difference. You know, the, the lack of ability to clear a corner or to, you know, uh, manage Maitland-Niles uh, on, the, on the left wing. Uh, you know, I, there was just, like, a few things that I was like, man, this is just kind of weird for a team that hasn't allowed a goal in, like, three weeks but you know you know credit to Arsenal for scoring it it just was kind of a crap goal super crap 67th minute though the one man show and Hazard makes something out of nothing when he controls the ball out of the air uh, and then is kicked question mark by Bellerin I mean you know maybe soft Nick but um, you know Anthony Taylor getting involved keeping things interesting Definitely soft, but if you're Bellerin, what? Let's pretend Bellerin doesn't hit him at all. What are you doing? Like, what? What exactly is your plan there? His back's to you know, goal. The ball's in the air. It's not like he's gonna bike it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The ball. Yeah. The ball is pushed away, so you're just swinging your leg at air. So it. I think it was given. A, it was given for stupidity. Um, not. Not because there was a ton of contact there, but I think even. Uh, you know, the commentators on the broadcast today were like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a foul. So, you know, if it's a foul in the penalty area, it's a penalty. But, you know, it, I don't think there was a whole lot of intent there. I just want to know what Bellerin's doing. It just it didn't make a whole lot of sense then. And then, Dan, this is what kicked off Wenger again, even post-match. Now there's a campaign against Arsenal that referees are literally WhatsApping each other in the week, wondering how to collude against them. I mean... We've no, no, no. That 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 shows too much administrative thought and sense to rally them together to create a group and to talk about it. I I don't believe for a single moment that they're that effective (laughs) Um, or compare that many notes because clearly the the gamut of officiating is uh, still subject to uh, much interpretation. The the gamut runs from really crap to barely passable. That's and the entire think, gamut. But I think that's the it. thing is, and we, we kind of point this out, and I think we complain about it, and, and ultimately, you know, we were the beneficiaries today of, you know, a, a soft penalty. And there are times that we're not going to be the beneficiary of that. And I, I think, you know, for all of his faults, Arsene Wenger is, you know, correct, uh, much like many other managers who we would not be necessarily fans of, mostly because of the team that they manage. Uh, that the officiating standard has to improve. But that's all we'll say about that. It's disastrous. Um, anyways, 84th minute, our Wonder Boy left wing back, uh, for whatever reason, is at the near post inside the box, about six yards out, just ready to receive a surprisingly good cross from his counterpart, Zappacosta, to take the lead. I mean, Dan, nothing like a little wing back to wing back magic. 
so the, this goal, though, starts with the William pass that hits Zappa Costa to try. Incredible pass. Like, William is turning his body uh, off the right foot, across the pitch, hits Zappa Costa, who does one or two different maneuvers, and just rifles the ball. And Alonzo takes it in stride, and just as a little side flick in in the net, and it was it was, I think that goal made some people pregnant. Uh, I, I genuinely think that uh, that is one of the sexiest goals we've seen Chelsea score um, in quite some time. What well, is good to see three Arsenal players standing on top of the six, not reacting at all whatsoever, just completely planted. That ball, by the way, that ball from William is the ball that he tries probably six or seven times a game, and it always goes to the to the left back. Um, but he actually hit it harder this time, which I think made a difference. Yeah, you also have two of the defenders who are really paying attention to what Morata was doing and not necessarily marking Alonso on his run in. So a credit to Alonso for, for being aware. And I think as our friend Joe Tweeds has uh, said multiple times today, put him on top, play him on top. Somehow our <laughs> the best striker on our team currently is the wingback. Well, 90th minute plus two. Uh, Nick, you know what rhymes with Bellerin? Bullshit. That, yeah, no, I think that, that checks out. In Spanish, so, sorry. Doesn't yep. translate. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I got to be honest with you. This is the part of the game that, you know, and, and you guys saw my text coming through the text text thread i was pretty pumped up for this one um that what pissed me off from the 85th minute when we scored or yeah 84th minute when alonzo puts the goal away until the 90th minute plus two is that we quit playing we quit trying to go on the uh, the counter attack uh quit trying to make simple passes to each other the the entire team just got into this hunker down Mourinho mentality and it was like the prevent defense that never works. And Arsenal, for to you know, again, I hate them. I hate Arsenal. To their credit, the 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 seven minutes after this were all them, all them peppering in goals, uh, shots on goal, or crosses, or flicks, or whatever. You know, a, a previous Arsenal team, a weaker Arsenal team, would have just fell over and died in the 84th minute, and they didn't today. And I think as a, you know, not to praise them too much, I think this is more critical of Chelsea, Dan. I think it was a weak mentality that the players showed after getting potentially the game-winning goal at the Emirates and, you know, what would have put Chelsea back into second place. They just stopped playing, and it, it just pissed me off so much. I think there was an opportunity to take this game today. And it could have been a much higher scoring affair, as we'll talk about very shortly. As I know, uh, I see where Brandon is taking this conversation in the script. But I don't, I don't know how you, how you give that up. And it's, it was really, you know, it's, it's just troubling. It, 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 and it's bothersome. And it's, it's why we watch, because the, the drama is, is wonderful and it's exciting and I, I genuinely thought after we scored and Alonzo scored that we had won the game. And I don't think any fan felt differently. And I think that moment 
where Bellerin scores, I think the word to sum it up would just be crestfallen as you had accelerated back to the top of the emotional high uh, only to realize that you know, this uh, Kylo Ren-looking figure was uh, raging with his uh, helmet against the side of the elevator and somehow managed to score the goal. So, Well, how eerily yeah. similar is this to Everton, right? You know, in the cup competition where they come back and score and then we go right back down the field uh, and have an amazing chance. Obviously, we score against Everton, but we, you know, Murata botches it this time yeah, and then Zappacosta uh, hits the crossbar. But it's it like... Bournemouth. Oh, so, not Everton. Uh, sorry, sorry. So Bournemouth in the cup game, right, though? But just the same thing, literally, right? Where, like, it's just even after we gave up that late goal, like we still had a reaction. Chelsea still went down the field and made something happen. And and it's just crazy that, I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, they turn off for that little bit where instead of having to need that reaction, if we just were able to lock it up and be done with it, um, we've seen that, I think, just far too many times this season, giving up late goals and, and essentially, in this point, dropping points. And I think... You know, it, it just goes to show that Chelsea, when we score the first goal, I think we are still yet to have dropped any points from a winning position. But again, we're not, right? Like, we're now, we gave up the first goal, so we don't have that kind of mental fortitude uh, to get through the match. But let's go ahead and dig into the, the one topic that everybody uh, hit us up for um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, even via text today, is that Murata. Everyone wants to talk about Murata, so we're just not going to delay it. Uh, yeah, it was not his best day, uh, but personally, I'm not quitting on him. I think it's kind of crazy that people are saying that we should sell him or you know maybe bench him for a while. Dan, I just I, I think that we can criticize him for his play today. I'm just not a fan of the knee jerk overreaction. And I remember in our interview with Lee Parker, he said that when Murata missed that penalty in the Community Shield match this summer. All he could focus on was getting that goal, making it up to the team. And so I guess, do you think that that's the the reaction we're going to get from him is he's going to come out just tearing and ready to go in this next match to kind of make up for it? So I think there's there's two questions in there or two thoughts kind of just nestled up perfectly. Uh, it's like a Neapolitan ice cream of questions there, Brandon. Bravo. Um, so I think ultimately... I, I would put money on him scoring in the next game we play against Arsenal. I, I think that there is going to be a desire and hunger to do so. And I think the overreaction culture is par- partially to blame. And I think the, also the cost of the player makes it difficult for some people to allow them an opportunity to to grow and improve. And I think you could say one thing and be very true and say that Murata had a terrible time finishing the ball today. And that is a very accurate statement. And you also could say that from the body of work on the goals that he has scored, that Murata is a very capable striker and could do very well in the Premier League. I just think that, you know, the, those are not diametrically opposed ideas, Nick. Like you could be both terrible on the day and also be someone with the absolute potential and the ability to be an excellent striker uh, for Chelsea. And I think this A, he's not there yet. We're expecting him to be Diego Costa, and he is absolutely not Diego Costa. But he, you know, he also can have really great days, and I think that's maybe the challenge right now is there's been games where he's 
fantastic. There were runs he was making today were that were incredible. He was putting himself in the right position, but he wasn't converting at the end. And that's the the real just almost saddening part because you can see all the other kind of traits and potential that he has, and it's uh, it's just unfortunate. So so look, um, I I'm bummed for him, and I'm I'm bummed for the team today because. I think that he has the mentality to go and finish each one of those chances easily. Um, you know, I, there, it's kind of a chicken and the egg argument, right, Brandon? Because if if he's not able to get into those positions, he doesn't ever have a chance to score those goals, right? Um, so, like, part one, which is almost the hard part, you know, I'd say it, probably the harder part, Brandon, is getting into the position where you're one-on-one with the keeper with the ball at your feet. The second part for a guy of his talent should be really fucking easy, and it, and it just wasn't for him today. Well, I mean, let's run through some of these tweets. A little bit of reaction time to uh, to to dig into it. Um, at Dana Brule saying, uh, one, how long will it take for you guys to find one positive bit in Marantz's game? And two, are you guys positive enough to think that he can ever turn this around at Chelsea? Feels like a Torres syndrome. No cure found oh, yet. No, no. <laughs> let me let me get at this, okay? Turn what around? What like So, look, he sucked today, okay? He was terrible. Uh, he was put in a position three or four times to put Chelsea up by two or three goals, okay? He, we're, no one's making excuses for him, but to say that he has to turn it around, he has 10 lead goals and nine assists. Something crazy like that. What are you, what are you talking about? Torres didn't score for like a billion minutes in, in his first season at Chelsea. And then when he finally did, it was a shit goal against West Ham that we all remember because we were all so happy for him. I'm sorry, Daniel. Like, I can't. I can't go along with this theory because I think he's been really good and he's won us matches this year. And yes, he was really bad today, but no, absolutely not Torres syndrome, Dan. I cannot, I can't get with this. Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the part where he mentions how long will take us to find a positive. I think the, the element was that the, the runs, the, the awareness, the presence, and again, you know, strikers though are, are tend to be judged only on their ability to score goals. And, I think a couple of the comments that we got were wondering from from Zachary and Oscar is why can't Morata score with his feet? And I, I do think the funniest take on all this because there has to be some level of levity was on the the Chelsea subreddit where someone suggested Morata's new finishing style, and it was the photo of Phil Jones on the ground, <laughs> <with> his, <laughs> the uh, the header own goal that he scored, flopping around on the ground. Uh, yeah, that was it. Ruled offside. It was it was so perfect. It was it was a great way to respond to it. I, I just think that again, it's very easy to be a reactionary. I I enjoyed the humorous responses. I mean, Teddy Bear Hugum also had a good one. Thanks to Ronta, I've lost the ability to finish this tweet. Uh, Couldn't finish one tweet. That was really I mean, good. I did laugh at that. I mean, it, you got you. I guess got to take it in stride, but. Well, and look, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on Daniel here, but I saw it's not just him and this particular tweet, which I'm sure is like a one-off for him. But to me, it's like, okay, we have our, our, you know, record signing who I don't think has failed to impress this year. I think we've all been, 
you know, Diego who and Lukaku where like that's that's been our, you know, I think the general sentiment this year. And every time that he has a bad game, people are bringing up Diego like the ex-girlfriend. He didn't want to be here, so he's not here. I, you know, I think we can all move on. Uh, you know, we have a guy and, you know, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we need another guy to push him to be better. But until this window closes, we won't know if we'll have that or not. So we need to get behind this guy, even if he had a shit game against the team that I think a lot of us hate the most. I had hatred in my heart today. Like I was so mad. But we have to get behind him. Because if we don't, we're not going to win a whole lot of matches. Hazard can't do it by himself. Well, I mean, that's the only way it's working right now. Um, the you know, I guess you know Reed Shoop has posted a ton of stuff on Facebook and Twitter, kind of going on about this. Uh, I mean, he you know he's kind of pointing out the fact that is Murata overrated or is he still a developing talent? I mean, Conte pointed this out in his post match press conference that this is also the again the first time. Morata has been the the guy, the number nine, leading the line for an entire season. And, you know, he's going to have some bumps along the way. I mean, to be fair, you know, being at Juventus and Real Madrid is a part-time player is amazing, amazing experience, you know. But these are the matches where he's going to have to fight through and make it work. And I trust me, he knows more than any of us that it wasn't successful for today. Um a quick highlight is that he has played in in this play year for for Chelsea. He's played seventeen over seventeen hundred minutes, and in all of his matches for last year when he was playing with Real Madrid, he played eighteen hundred minutes across their forty three games. So, like you know, he he is clearly adapting to uh, physical style play being the person responsible for 70, 80, 90 minutes of performance. He's being responsible. There's got to be a lot of mental strain and weight, and I would never look to prescribe, you know, what I believe someone would or potentially feel. I'm going to use more of what, you know, again, Brandon pointed out what Lee said about how Morata responded to missing the penalty during the Community Shield, is that I would believe that a moment like this is when, you know, a, a coach or a manager or a leader kind of needs to go up beside that person and say, "Hey, you know what? Like, we know that you're better at this than you're cap- that you're truly capable to execute on a much higher level, and that this is not the definition of who you are." Because I think if we are so short-sighted to say, "This is Murata, he's going to have Taurusitis and not be able to cure it," it is 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 too hyper-reactionary versus, you know, ultimately some some bad misses, some great goalkeeping from Czech, and a, a really unfortunate day against a, a tough rival, which I think just makes everything gel together in a way that just really agitates people. And a quick correction on my stat, he's third on the team in assists. Not, you know, the number uh, evades me, but he's third on the team in assists and, and leads us in goals. So... You know, not a bad year so far. Plenty more to go. Um, all right, let's move on to Marcus Alonso as Reed was trying to push us off the, the Murata hate train and, and onto the, the Alonso praise train, actually. Um, he says, what a great 12 months he's had for our club. 
And then there's a lot of people coming to his defense. I really haven't seen this much support for Marcos Alonso since he signed. Uh, first tips are saying uh, Alonso has been fantastic this season. Can he be considered as one of the best wingbacks in world football right now, Nick? I mean, that maybe is a lot of praise. I personally like uh, at Jared Andre threes, as, um, you know, making assumptions about people saying if you wanted Alonso out, you think the earth's flat. That That's that's my side. I like that. Yeah, corner. I, I, Kyrie. Uh, yeah, I, I actually love that. And look, there have been times, and I think even this season, where he's clearly not 100%, right? And and is a little, has slowed down a little bit because if he's going to play all 80 matches we have this year, however many, that he's going to have to slow down a little bit, right? However, uh, I think what he provides in an attacking sense to this team is invaluable. Um, I wish that Moses had a little bit of his killer instinct on the other side because. Uh, you know, when both of those guys are scoring goals, we're a whole different proposition for any opposing team. Um, you know, you get him and Hazard overlapping or him and Murata overlapping. You get uh, Moses or Zappacosta on the other side, you know, crossing in or, or shooting or whatever. And Zappacosta almost scored a, a worldly today um, that went off the bar at the at the death. Um, you know, it, it makes it makes defenses have to spread out and or step up, leaving space in behind for, uh, you know, I think uh, Murata and, and Hazard to get a, a couple of easy ones. So th- that would be my, I think his major contribution is that he takes away a lot of pressure from Hazard uh, on that left-hand side and then allows for more space to be created. And he has a pretty great shot. So, you know, good for him. He's uh, past Espilicueta in minutes played in the Premier League. Uh, we all know that run that, you know, Aspilicueta went on uh, as well. So he's now up to 1892 and Aspilicueta is at 1890. So I know it's a fine margin, but, you know, just put it in perspective a little bit. You know, Dan, I this is right up your alley and it's from Bleacher Report. Um, you love making these comparisons. So here you go. Marcos Alonso has scored more league goals this season than Deli Alley. <laughs> Sadio Mane, Javier Hernandez, Marcus Rashford, and the hundred million man Paul Pogba. That's that's quite the tally there. Uh, that is that's a this a sexy six goal tally there from Marcos Alonso. And look, yeah, I think he is deserving of all the credit in the world for even though getting shredded uh, sometimes, uh, maybe multiple times. In, in matches that he has a level of resiliency to be able to come back and fight and pop up in key moments. And I, and that to me is something that, you know, he t- sometimes goes sorely underrated for. And ultimately, you know, again, six goals. Uh, if you, you know, he's a little overpriced on uh, fantasy premier league, but uh, would have repaid some dividends today, though, unfortunately, no clean sheet bonus. What do, so. you, what do you think about the fact that he's tied on goals with N. Hazard but doesn't take penalties? Hmm? Hmm? Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, you, you know, I, I do like to back out the penalty goal. I'm not a fan of that. And also, do, do we want to take a moment to notice that N. Hazard actually took a very atypical penalty for him where he, you know, shot that up a little higher, trying to throw check off maybe. You know, he's played him in practice a little bit before. And I think, you know, Czech thinks he's going to do his little sore roll, maybe a little, uh, little kind of checkers moment there and decides, you know what, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to rock it down the center a little harder than usual. 
I enjoyed that. Yeah. That, was, that was a nice little, nice little move. I did too. It, it kind of showed confidence for me. Um, you know, I know that and Hazard isn't a whack the ball kind of guy, but uh, he certainly has the power to uh, to just smack it. And you know, I think Brandon, for for your uh, intents and purposes as our resident goalkeeper in the goalkeepers union, uh, which style of penalty would you rather come up against the the look away and roll or the just power where it's almost impossible to to see it? I mean, they're all, they're all difficult in their own right. Essentially, I mean, penalty. It's the worst thing to see as a goalkeeper because you're standing, not moving at all, and. Anyways, it's just a nightmare all the way around. Like you said, though, his confidence to wait for Chuck to move and then he placed it. This is what we saw, you know, the 2014-15 season when he was absolutely at his best. Um, this is the kind of confidence we, we saw, and it's good that it's back. Um, a little alarming for Chuck, not us anymore, is that he hasn't saved a penalty since Munich. Wow, is that for oh, real? Oh, for 13, that's what I read. Uh, he literally has not saved a penalty since he joined Arsenal. Wow. So that's kind of nuts. That's kind of crazy. And, and and with this, I'm going to move us to Thibaut Courtois. I don't want to spend a lot of time on him because I know we're late into this podcast as it stands, but um, Thibaut mother effing Courtois. Uh, no idea what we do without him. I th- I'm going to say he's the best goalkeeper in the league. I know that De Gea has one more shutout than him right now, and Ederson is applying the pressure with 10. Um, but the fact that Courtois, you know, is is making the saves that he is. I mean, I I screenshotted some of the ones he got the touch on Sanchez's shot from close range and pushed onto the post and hit the other one out. Um, he had the other fantastic stretch low to his left, getting all the way across the goal. I just I know we did those midseason grades, and you guys, you know, I was way high compared to the rest of you on Courtois but I'm telling you like I know that he still has room to improve which is a scary part but I think that he's doing more for his team this season than even a De Gea uh, or Ederson uh, at Man City and Man United uh, in their own rights that's kind of where I that is exactly where I stand on this and I will let you guys kind of give your opinion on him this season and and then we'll we'll move on you know, I'm not even going to go with the goalkeeper's union snarky comment after that because I think that for the first time, Brandon, you really you really cared, you know? You showed <laughs> you showed you showed a softer side of yourself that I, I didn't see coming. So, bravo to you. I can be realistic every now and then, rational. No, let's just leave that for me. Let's <laughs> let me yell at people. Uh, Dan Jeff Boston on Facebook says he um that, you know, Courtois needs a race or at least a spot bonus for being such a badass. He needs to stay a blue for as long as we can hold on to him. Well, uh, Christophe, who is the probably chief Belgian correspondent mm-hmm. for uh, HLN or HNL, um, probably HNL, LN. And he has reported that if Real Madrid are going to get in on the race for Courtois, they need to move fast because Thibaut is in advanced negotiations with the club. So I think anyone who is potentially afraid that Courtois would be going in a different direction, at least currently, uh, may not actually be the case. And, you know, he, he might eventually move to Madrid at some point, but I, I think he's going to be a part of, 
you know, Conte or, you know, whatever manager we have for the next, you know, three, five plus years, uh, I think Courtois will, will be a part of that. And it's exciting because he makes some incredible saves. And I think just because of the nature of his frame, where a lot of the saves just kind of come because he's got some great positioning and his body, you know, is there to do a lot of the work, go under the radar. I think the the save, Brandon, and you might be able to tell me how difficult you think this would have been. The Sanchez save where he palmed it away, I thought that was exceptional. I, I really thought that was one of the, the, the best saves I think he's made all season. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there. It's close range. It's uh, coming from left to right. He gets down low, uh, has a really strong hand on it. Uh, yeah, I could gush all match about some of the, his saves. Uh, at Chelsea, Gifts did a phenomenal job catching them. So shout out to Amity um, uh, for doing that. So uh, let's go ahead and start to wrap this one up. I just want to see true or false. Do you think that this true or false, this result will impact the League Cup matches? Uh, Dan, do you think this will have any bearing on the League Cup semifinals? Oh, well, as you know, Chelsea and Arsenal have a, a very uh, calm and respectful history of one another, uh, both between the, the players, the organizations, the managers, uh, the fans and supporters. So I believe uh, false, yeah. it will have absolutely no uh, barrier or, or burden on the future matches, uh, wherein all matches will be played above board and to the highest level of standard with a minimum of poor <coughs> tackles and challenges that we would potentially have come to expect against matches uh, against different sides. I think it will be a very wonderful and gentlemanly affair, Nicholas. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, you know, frankly, just going back to this, this, you know, above board kind of deal. I am surprised that Jack Wilshire walked away from that horrific tackle from Seth Fabregas <laughs> today. I, you know, for a guy as sturdy as, as Jack Wilshire is, you know, he's just, he's made us something different, you know, and, uh, and uh, that, I'm obviously being sarcastic, but, uh, but he, yeah. He got the Weapon X treatment, you know, he went to that Canadian facility where Wolverine was born and, and got a little animantium. He's good to go now. He must have done something because this is not the player that we have come to love to laugh at. So I don't know what's going on. Um, we, we did get another kind of additional thought uh, Instagram saying, can we appreciate how good Conte was? He was everywhere. The last two games, I felt like he was a bit off form, but today he was back at his best. That was from Bleed and Breathe Blue, again on Instagram. Um, you know, it's kind of hard. I think we've said this multiple times because Conte is such a high-level, recently named French Player of the Year. Um, last year's Premier League Player of the Year. It, it's just sometimes it goes unnoticed. So fair play for bringing that up again. Um, obviously, with Murata being as poor as he was and some other things going not our way, it probably is something that we might have overlooked otherwise. So I, I will quickly add to this. I think that a lot of the counterattacking motion that you saw today from Chelsea was started by him, uh, and he was playing out of his skin. I think that, you know, when you saw a couple of a, a couple of times him and Alexis Sanchez go into battle against each other, you know, two kind of smallish, sturdy guys who love to take the ball off people. Uh, that Those were fun matchups, and N'Golo got the better of him a lot. Um, he's a tremendous football player, and I, uh, I, I love him dearly on the squad. All right. Uh, Dan, go ahead and run us to your man in the match pool before we do the final standings. Roller coaster. 
And uh, man of the match poll was absolutely that. And Tebow is really the man of the match. I think we all know that. However, we do not list him as an option. <laughs> we put Alonzo. No, no, no. no, no. We, <laughs> we collectively uh, had nothing to do with this, Dan. You singularly <laughs> did. Yeah, so I put little, uh, little little four options out there. Alonzo, Hazard, <laughs> not Murata, and Zappacrosta, because you can't deny yourself the opportunity with you know the Zappa pun name that Nicholas came up with. Yeah, Alonzo with the the wonderful striker's goal that he took. Hazard you know, played a really exceptional game, and, and then you know we had to have a little laugh, had to have some fun, had to lighten the mood because you know what, it's one result. We're going to be able to, to you know, kind of grow from this, learn from this, put this kind of application into our next couple matches. Because guess what? We get to play Arsenal two whole extra times this season. And I am so happy and excited about it and looking forward to it and trying to lie through this smile I have on my face right now. Oh, you, you forgot to mention the inevitable FA Cup draw against Arsenal as God. well. That would be miserable. Wouldn't, wouldn't that just be terrible? Oh, God. Well, hey, I mean, to... To be honest, though, we have not played well against Arsenal in quite some time. We being Chelsea, obviously. Uh, that is a little bit worrisome for me, primarily because I hate them so much. I mean... That's all I, that's all I have. I just... And my last thing is just that if you give up two goals and your goalkeeper's still man of the match, like, damn, that was a rough game. So, as it stands, Man City are still after uh, dropping points against Crystal Palace, I guess you could call that. Um, 62 points. Manchester United jumped back up to second on 47. Chelsea in third on 46. Liverpool fourth 44. Spurs actually jumping Arsenal into fifth on 40 and Arsenal at 39. So that's your top six. Uh, Again, only eight points between second and sixth. Still pretty tight. Uh, as it stands um, Stoke City dropped into the bottom actually uh, and West Brom and Swansea are still the other two teams in relegation so uh, that's what stands real quick uh, just want to touch on this from World Soccer Shop that they do have Chelsea's third jacket again Nick uh, very sharp um, we saw it in the mega store liked it go get it yeah uh, so this was the one that we did our a uh, really goofy photo shoot in. I, I wore it today. I can tell you that it's of supreme quality, Dan. Um, you know, for the for the Champions League matches coming up, this could be your uh, your look. It definitely is a, a sharp piece of attire. Credit to to Nike for that, and available right now along with the rest of the the third lineup and all the best Chelsea gear available at WorldSoccerShop.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and run through you guys' questions from social media. Kicking it off with Eric, my texting buddy, uh, says, question for the pod, the defense looked very shaky today. Do we miss David Luiz's experience or leadership, uh, or do we need Rudiger? I don't feel like our back three have gelled just yet. Um, this was the first time that I felt like yeah. Christensen actually had to turn his head and run backwards. Normally, he does a really good job of keeping the play in front of him. Yeah, I... I I don't agree with this one either. Um, I think when you look at our defensive record this year, you know, we've had a couple of shaky moments, but I actually really felt like, you know, whether it's Rudiger or Cahill on that side, Christensen and Azpilicueta, I feel like those three have done a really good job communicating. Uh, and I thought that Cahill actually played pretty well today, um, you know, to be completely fair to him. So 
I, you know, look, there's there's room for improvement. I know everybody's just worried about Barcelona and Barcelona and Barcelona, but you know, I I don't know, Dan. Are you are you scared by this? No. No, I, I think Christensen had a very positive game for for the most part. Made some really good clean tackles. Uh, disrupted play well, and I, I agree. I actually think Cahill had a pretty positive game. And you know, it's funny in a loss, you would typically look to where someone's going to point the figure a finger, and it's usually going to be at Gary Cahill for something that he has or hasn't done. And uh, maybe Morata provided the uh, the skipper a little flack, you know, flack cover today to uh, to fly on the radar if there was a, a gaff from his perspective. All right, um, another one from Matthew, or at 1689 Jedi, about to be our new best friend heading to London with us, uh, says, since Sesk and, Ale- and Alexis hugged, that means we're signing Alexis tomorrow, right? Um, Dan, as far as I'm concerned, that is exactly how we do our transfers. Looking forward to Matt joining us to take in the Spurs match, which uh, we will win. Not, not a hard prediction when uh, Stanford Bridge is... Basically, kryptonite to Tottenham. I, I would say it would be nice to sign Alexis. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think, especially with you know Jesus out now for what six weeks, four to six weeks. You know the windows open. If they can pry Alexis away, Man City will probably find a way to, to spend the cash to make it happen in their quest for global football domination. Well, speaking of priorities, we got a ton of questions about the transfer window. Uh, so Nick Bearded Bard says, um, should we prioritize signing a Ford over Alexandro for January? Uh, Polly Cracker says, are there any feasible striker targets in January? Nevarp on Facebook says, should we go for wingbacks or striker? Josh Blues Heller says, what striker are we going after in the transfer window? <laughs> so he's just assuming that's what we're doing. Uh, and then Michael again on Facebook says, what kind of striker is needed to press Marazza to being more consistent? I think that's something that we've kind of been looking for, right? Is that I know that um, Yorente scored for, for Tottenham yesterday. Do we need someone to compete with him uh, as a starter? Or do we need uh, someone completely different to come off the bench and give Chelsea a different look? I, I think we need uh, direct competition for Marazza. I think the two guys that I look to, and they're both expensive, but you know, quality costs money. Is uh, Bellati from Torino and uh, Alexis Sanchez. Both are not cup tied. Both have different qualities. You know, Alexis is obviously tried and, and tested in the Premier League. Uh, Bellati is coming off of a wonderful year, and look, I. I don't know who we're going after. We're just, we're just, you know, guessing at this point. But those, Dan, would be two options that I would be very excited about. Both would be great additions from a competition standpoint. I definitely think that, uh, much like many other Januarys, it's going to be hard to find exactly what you're looking for. It's like going shopping on christmas eve expecting to find a hot toy and <laughs> not being able to come up with the goods and having to settle i, I think 
my only hope is that whoever we go after and whoever we acquire is actually like a long-term solution and not a, a short-term six-month stopgap that we overpay for or isn't going to necessarily provide any additional support or service. I think what you can find right now is a great number two or backup striker. And I think it was either the, the Daily Mail or the Express. Uh, it's just some thoughts about, you know, will there be some kind of, you know, loan if they can't find the, the player they're looking for, which would be very, very unique and highly interesting and out of out of sorts. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting January. Isn't it kind of interesting how many players Chelsea loan out, but they're really not interested in loans in? Well, I don't think that's interesting. I think we should, you know, not have to, you know, worry about taking on loans as a larger club. I think ultimately you want to be able to show the world that you can acquire the best talent and assemble them together. And I think if you kind of look at what's happened with Man City, you, know, you look at what happened with, you know, the Pogba recruitment of Lukaku to United, you're seeing what Liverpool is doing with Van Dijk, with Nabi Ketia, with potentially uh, Lamar um, going there. There's just some, I don't know, it's just odd that the, the attractiveness of the club, for whatever reason, may not be perceived uh, in the same way as you know, we would hope that it would be perceived to as the players. I mean, that, beyond anything else to me, is, is the most concerning thing to solve for, is how do we attract the top talent um, so that they want to play, and that's you know through compensation, that's through uh, the the environment, it's through the manager, it's through the facilities, it's all of those things kind of put together. And and where where is the defect for Chelsea comparative to these other clubs? I mean, so I understand like the the concept that Chelsea is in right now is really tough. We've talked about it uh, over the last few weeks. Not knowing what your manager's future is, not knowing what your Belgian duo's future are, like there, there are a bunch of variables at play. Chelsea Football Club is a top ten club in the world, and they should start, you know, and, and and you know, boasting that and yelling it from the rooftops that, yeah, we're not going to win the Champions League every year, and yeah, we're not going to spend money like Barcelona, or Real Madrid, or you know, Manchester United or Manchester City. But when those teams come to play us, uh, it is a bloodbath. And, and we make it really difficult for teams to play against us. We've won the Champions League with less. Uh, we have won the league you know, two of the last three years. It's a team of winners. Cobham is a, a magnificent facility. We all know that from firsthand experience. You know, Stanford Bridge is getting redeveloped into this colossus. Uh, you know, there is a lot of exciting stuff to be had around the club. And I think we need to be a little bit more, you know, I, I hate the word swag, but I think we need to swag out a little bit, man. Like we need to have some fun with this. And, you know, I think players want to join other fun players. We have a lot of fun players on this squad. So, you know, let's let's get the, the Chelsea social media team involved and let's start showing some of that that swag side, I guess. 
And I think that a lot of our play on the pitch has been very fluid and attractive. Um, unfortunately, we just hit bumps in the road uh, and, and, and we lose sight of it. But again, I mean, some of the passing combinations that we have seen and like some of the Hazard and Murata combinations, the flicks and the back heels to each other, have been fantastic. Uh, I wish Pedro would get in more, even though he didn't get in today. But um, it, it was the right decision, I guess, because William, you know, got the second assist on the goal. So, um, but Pedro has been involved in a ton of um, just really good movement off the ball, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It it still confuses me why we feel like it's such a terrible season when all of the things on paper point to Chelsea having a pretty good season. So, uh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, though, you have to finish with something. You can't end a season without any hardware or any trophies because that's where we're at as a club. That would be a failure. So um, the last thing that I wanted to wrap this uh, social media question up is uh, a bit of a longer question from John, but he, he, he wants to kind of throw a question out there about Antonio Conte substitutions. So he asked, do you think Conte has gotten the substitutions right lately? I don't know what it is, but it seems like throughout this holiday season, he's gotten them all wrong. Sure, there might be fitness and injury issues that we don't know about, and I understand the need for rotation with such a packed schedule. It just seems like we could have really taken control of the match with a positive sub. Instead, he makes a defensive one, or vice versa. There's also been more than once that somebody has been having a poor performance, and he would take off one of the better players instead. Just really confused lately. What are your thoughts? Um, Nick, from a substitution standpoint, last season it seemed like every time Conte made his three substitutions, because every single match he'd made all three, um, they were impactful. And we've even seen that, you know, this season when he brought on, um, you know, like Pedro at wingback and, and Batshuayi towards the end of matches and we get goals at the end. But um, it's been a little more difficult over this kind of festive period of, of all these matches. Yeah, I so you're not going to hit a home run every time, you know. I think I think that would be my first comment. My second comment would be Zappacasa was a pretty impactful substitution. Um, I think maybe instead of substitutions being the the question, even though I understand your premise, John, I think the bigger question would be: Is he getting the starting eleven right every single time? Um, you know, I think today we saw. You know, a clear need for for drink water over Bakayoko, who had a pretty averagey performance. Um, so I, I don't know, I don't know the full answer to that. But this isn't, you know, unfortunately, last season was a little bit magical. You know, there was, you know, sometimes you just go on these runs like cities on, like we were last year, where where things just work out. You know, I, I don't think he's a, a you know, a, a wizard. You know, I think we need to. Except, except some of the human flaw of the game, uh, even though I don't think he's been that bad this year. Dan? I think there's a lot of moments this season where he hasn't had to get the subs right, which I think is different than maybe last season where a couple of times the, the subs made the difference in the match. I mean, look at some of the performances. Yeah, the Everton draw, that was probably one you could dig into a little bit more from a substitution standpoint. But when you beat Stoke by five, you beat... Brighton by two, you make it past United with a one nil victory, you smash West Brom four to nothing. Like the, the results didn't necessarily throughout the majority of the, the season dictate a need to be successful with it. And what I would say with the substitutions made today, I mean, 
love Moses, but he was getting shredded faster than like fake tax forms through the paper shredder when you're trying to avoid the IRS or something. Like he, he was not looking good today. And I think it was a really smart substitution by, you know, Conte there. And ultimately, you know, Zappa Costa is, is a part of the goal. You know, it brings on William. William is a, a part of the goal. So, you know, two of the players that were on the pitch when Chelsea scored their goal, I mean, it only took two minutes from William being on to him being able to help assist with the goal. So it, it did change the play. And that was the thing that we gave, you know, Antonio Conte a lot of credit for last season is that he would find ways to pick the right players and put them in a position to be successful. I, I do think it comes down to the starting players and also the the lack of options from a starting lineup standpoint that probably handcuffs him more than we think or realize or more than he, you know, uh, maybe his lack of willingness to experiment with, uh, with a youth player or with, with a different starting 11 because he, he doesn't like to change that. I think they're, they're very seldom and less forced, uh, whether it is, falling out whether it's fitness based you know he you know he wants to pick his players he wants to have his 11 and if he could ride them every match for a full 90 he would do that and never touch his substitutions but uh, that is unfortunately not how the game is played all right well let's go ahead and wrap it up um uh, you know with our match preview real quick uh but just a shout um follow us on instagram we are doing a lot of fun content there working with Mike of Rainier Blues on some stuff. Uh, we're putting more podcast previews uh, or different clips on it. So if you miss anything, make sure to go there, uh, check it out. Nick, um, I think that people want to see you on our Instagram story more. A lot, a lot of your face is what's missing. Do they? <laughs> I, why? Like, I came, I came through as a DM request from someone. Wow. Um, so... Shout out to you for the boost in my self-esteem. Um, that's it was good. your mother. Yep. <laughs> hey, Deb. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, so uh, that's great. Yeah, but uh, Dan, the more important thing about our Instagram account is that we could possibly be having a fun little, uh, I don't know, maybe a fun little something happen in there uh, in the next week or so. Yeah, there's there's a giveaway we're working on, and it, you know, it may involve, uh, you know, something of a positive material value with the, with the signature. So we're going to work on that. And you know, you know, the place you're going to see it first is, uh, is on Instagram at London blue Pod. All right. Cliffhanger. So match preview, Chelsea will be taking on North city on the FA cup third round at Cairo road uh, this coming Saturday, January 6th. So this will be the first time uh, Chelsea are getting involved in the FA cup. Kind of per usual that the smaller teams play, uh, the first half of the season, and then the big boys get thrown into the the rounds, um, you know, after New Year's. So uh, Norwich, obviously, you know, championship side, um, you know, decent form, nothing crazy. Uh, beat Millwall, beat Birmingham, lost to Brentford and Leeds. So take it for what it is. Obviously, we know Chelsea's form with four wins, two draws in the last six. I mean, the biggest thing, guys, I think we're just going to see a lot of rotation uh, in this. If you want to kind of point anything out specifically, go for it. But this is really just a, a public service announcement that Chelsea will be playing Saturday, and it's not Premier League. It's actually going to be FA Cup. So I, I would quickly say on the rotation, Dan, because I think Brandon is correct that there will be 
you know, probably a fair amount, you know, Rudiger coming in, you know, maybe a Musanda coming in now that he's fit ish again, you know, maybe you see drink water and maybe you see, I don't know if it's an Ampadu Ampadu type of, of day, but you know, if there's a championship side that needed chins broken, uh, we could throw them in, uh, you know, this could be a Mishi time perhaps. I don't know. You know, there, there, there are a lot of options here. Um, what are your thoughts? Prime game for rotation. I think I'm most excited about the fact that Stephen Naismith is currently pursuing potentially a loan opportunity away from Norwich City because he is not getting first team football. And you know, I, I'm very much afraid of the White Walker when he plays Chelsea. And so it is quite wonderful to see that he is not part of their starting 11 right now or even their substitutions. So uh, excellent to see. And that makes me even more positive that we can rotate heavily and pull out a result against the Canaries. Yeah, and it's still jam-packed schedule because right after our Norwich match, we do play Arsenal again. This one will be in the Carabao Cup for the semifinals. First leg uh, on the 10th, and then on the 13th, that following Saturday, we're playing Leicester City um, as well. So again, right, like the games come thick and fast until we get to that Leicester City match, and then we'll have, if you can believe it, a week off but then we'll have another short turnaround. So it it's a lot of minutes right now, this part of the season. We're still involved in all the cup competitions, so you don't really want to crash out really at this point. But at the same time, uh, you know, guys need rest. Guys with not a lot of minutes need opportunities to keep them involved, keep their spirits high, keep them sharp in case you do need them late in the season, Have heaven forbid of an injury or anything. So um, I don't know. We'll see. It is Norwich. Shouldn't be too complicated, but we'll just have to go out and see uh, what Antonio Conte does with this squad. I think that he's shown a willingness to make changes and rotate players. So um, my expectation is just to see more of the same on that. So with that being said, guys, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode with our final thoughts. If you have anything else you'd like to add from this episode or kind of from the wide world of Chelsea or Premier League, uh, feel free to do that now. Dan, what what are you thinking? I'm going to go with a double thought real quick. And so one of that is, again, we talked about the beginning, but if you haven't listened to the Lee Parker interview, probably one of the coolest things that we've done in association with this podcast, you know, we've done some cool stuff, you know, getting Chris Fowler on all the journalists we've talked to and giveaways to, you know, those less fortunate with the help of world soccer shop. But Lee, was a total uh, class gentleman throughout the entirety of our uh, our time with him, and uh, really, really exceptional. The other thing I was going to say is, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, terrible weather kind of hitting the, uh, the eastern coast of the uh, the U.S. this week. So uh, I think it's the the cyclone bomb or whatever it might be that they're uh, referring to it as. But uh, please stay safe out there. You know, we, we care about all you listeners and, and everyone in general, and uh, hope you stay okay, stay warm, and uh, Hey, look, if you're uh, stuck inside for a couple days and got some power, uh, it's a good backlog of December content you can kind of review. I, I loved I loved the Connecticut blues, I believe, today. We're like, screw it. We're going out on Saturday. Don't don't worry about it. We need to watch this match. I was like, you know what? That's, that's good. I like that. I love that attitude. Um, my final thought uh, will be that we will have Dan Levine back on the podcast for the first time in a long time uh, on Saturday. Um a guy who we've had on multiple times uh, ever since we started, a guy who uh, 
while the rest of us were drunk uh, in in London in May, led us to to food safety so that we could eat something at the uh, 2 a.m. hour. Uh, a, a gentleman, I know that uh, you know it, he gets into a lot of Twitter battles and stuff, but he's he's always been good to us. So excited to have Dan back on the show. Yeah, genuinely like him and and like what he does from a journalistic standpoint, especially because, uh, you know, he's not shy about it. He is a Chelsea fan. I mean, he's literally one of us, uh, and that's unique from a journalist. So um, it has been far too long. I have to double check. He might have been our first ever guest. I mean, there's a good chance. Hmm. And we've we've given first ever guest title to like four different people. I don't at this know. Point. We actually need to we need to settle this. I, I do think it's Jesus. Uh, I, I think if we we technically go back and look at it. Well, it was unbelievable that we got one guest. It's been it's true. We've been on a tear a tear lately. So, um, you know, the episode with Fowler, the episode with Borzello, uh, which I thought was actually one of our best episodes ever. Um, uh, after the uh, the Brighton match, the Lee Parker one. This one, you're obviously loving it because you're listening to the last seconds of it. Well, you know, we're in a good run of form, Dan. It's all about the two days. Now, the, you know, we, we did a lot of work. We built up some good regimen and fitness, and uh, we're able to pull it off, thankfully. All right. Well, with that being said, Chelsea fans, we are going to wrap it up. Um, so, again, short break. Chelsea back at it sooner than later. Make sure you obviously don't miss it. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.